This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your life and with your community. Welcome to Query. Hey there, Queeros. Cameron here. Oh man, I had the best experience the other day. Rhea and I uh, had somebody come up to us and tell us that we were her Queeros. Um, so you guys are already using the term. Thank you for <laughs> listening and subscribing and tweeting at me. The fan interaction, and not just fan, listeners, your involvement is awesome. And I love it because this podcast is really about community. Today on the show, I have a chat with Evan Rachel Wood. I was so excited to be able to sit down with Evan. Not only have I been a fan of hers for such a long time as an actor, um, but she's a person who seems to be really using her platform to um, work for social justice, work for queer awareness. I'm I'm so into that. Evan is also up for a, an Emmy this afternoon because I'm recording this on Sunday. So I'm so excited to see her on TV. And I know you guys are gonna love uh, this interview. Also, at the end of this week, well, not the end, Thursday, Rhea and I start our big fall tour. And we will be in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, San Diego, Phoenix, Dallas, Austin, Houston, New Orleans, Atlanta, Durham, Philadelphia, DC, New York, Cleveland, Detroit, Minneapolis, Chicago, Madison, Portland, Maine, Boston, Providence, Rhode Island, and did I miss one? Ooh, I'll be in Denver. So information on all of those dates is at CameronEsposito.com. And really, I just can't wait to see you guys out on the road. Enjoy the episode. Queeros, welcome to today's episode. I am super excited about this next guest. Uh, this next guest, it's the guest, the ge today's guest. I'm super today's excited guest. about today's guest. Now, on this show, we have uh, we is me. I I am the person. The uh, royal we. Yeah, I have the guests introduce themselves because it's fun to give somebody the power to say their own stuff. Right. So, would you introduce yourself? Um, my name is Evan Rachel Wood. Um, should I say what I do? Probably. I think that's fun. Yeah. Or however you want to describe I'm, yourself. Okay. Um, I, I guess I'm an actor and a singer and a writer, kind of a, I don't know, an artist, I guess, do a little bit of everything, but I'm also a mom, um, and divorced and super queer too. So what, what? <laughs> I would say, um... Look, I don't know if I'm the first person to tell you this, but you don't have to guess if that you're an actor. I feel like you're full, you're just like firmly an actor at this point. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I think <laughs> like it's like I feel like I guess I'm an actor. Yeah, yeah I feel like you're an actor. I right? think so. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's like. Uh, yeah, no. It's definitely up for debate, but uh, sometimes. Yeah, no. You're, you're. I think you definitely. I think you definitely are an actor. Yes, and I loved. Uh, 
And you're a mom. Yeah. Oh, man. I, you know what's happening for me right now is that I'm in that zone where, like, do you have the fever? I do. It's mm. awful. <laughs> I, like, can't believe it is happening. It's a real thing. I did not think it would happen to me. I really thought that that would stay away forever. Yeah. I thought that too. It that was not true for your bod. Your bod said I do something with this. Think I wanted kids and then I did. I I you know, just life happened and something clicked and all of a sudden I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's a very <sighs> primal thing. I know. I know. It's it's a uh... It is a very primal thing. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing that my sister just had a baby and it's like the first next generation in my family. Oh. And I, I, it's like so recent that I haven't asked her the question yet. Like, can you relax at all now? Like, and I don't mean like, I don't mean like that raising a child is relaxing, but I mean the thing, the biological thing that we're talking about. Did, did any of that turn off? Yes. Really? Yes. Like how quickly? <laughs> um, pretty quick. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Everyone keeps asking if I'm going to have another one, and I'm a single mom, so that would be A, a miracle, but B, um, I just don't know. I, 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 I'm really content, um, but I'm open to possibilities. But I don't have that driving force behind the idea now. Wow. Okay. So... seems like there's only one cure for this (laughs) no I mean I think the other thing that I would just and um, also like as much as you feel comfortable with this but I think the other thing that I think about is that so much of my job is about like presenting my body in a certain way Mm -hmm. and so um, I know it's just they tell me it's just nine months yeah where there's a baby growing inside of you but um, so even a little longer than that actually okay uh huh I don't think I can um I can't figure out how I would work. Right. Did you work? Um, you know what? I did voiceover oh. when I was pregnant. I, I have a great it. voice. You so, do? I mean, it's totally possible. That You're already set up. Look, I'll we just, got these mics yes. and this booth. You'll be fine. Um, but I, uh, I, I, I took a year off um, and didn't f- make any movies. I Well, that's not entirely true. In my early stages, I did film a movie for about a month but it never came out <laughs> it was never finished um so i did work um before i started the show and then i stopped um and yeah did the voiceover thing but that you know that's the only thing about being a a, a working mom um is it's 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 wonderful and i think having that balance is is great um but uh but that's yeah that's that's what's hard sometimes is is finding the time for everything yeah but um but I also think it's good to keep yourself happy and inspired um, because then you're in a better place mentally and emotionally for your kid. So, you know, but that's just that's just one mom's opinion. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good opinion. Yeah. I mean, I had a I had a good re- I had a really good relationship with my parents. I still do. But also it was a very um, like especially for my mom, a very like me centered life mm-hmm. um and then eventually she went back to work and and those things but i i feel like as actually actually it's a, a lot of intensity to put on a kid right. that's how it felt for me like later as i was an adult and kind of realized like oh shit mom you're so cool and funny you have such good dance moves in the kitchen mm-hmm. i like i shouldn't be the focus of this because <laughs> you are cool you don't need me 
I'll, right. I'll do this guy and you take and you do your own thing. Yeah. So I think that sounds really good what you're talking about. Yeah. I talked to um do you know Amanda Palmer? Yes. Um she's she's wonderful and she goes everywhere with her baby. She's on tour, she brings him everywhere, and sometimes she gets a lot of crap for it. Um but her view on it is that you're in a flow and your job is to teach your kid about the flow and how life works and how the world works and to be an example. And if you make them, not saying that your kid's not the most important thing in the world to you, but if you teach them that the whole world kind of centers around them, then that's not exactly preparing them for life and adult life. <laughs> I think that's how And it's kind of a shock right. to the system. Yeah. So she, yeah, she takes them everywhere and she's like, you can't. Are you allowed to curse on this? Of course. Right. You can't fuck up the flow um, because, you know, that's that's exactly what you're kind of supposed to be showing them. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting viewpoint on it. Sure. Well, we are also, and Amanda, in an unusual position as working people because yeah. our jobs are so... Because we can do that, which is really It's amazing. Great. Yeah. And if you can, then I guess you should. I mean, I, I also, um, you know... Involve my relationship in my work. I mean, everything's mm -hmm. kind of one big, like, ball of energy <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So that would make sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Now we've decided that I will be having a child. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can. And you will I, take him everywhere ask, you go. Can I ask another question that yes. is, like, uh, gender wise? Yeah. Did that feel okay and good to you to be pregnant? You know, it was hard. It, it, and more than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think because I have been more inclined to be less, quote unquote, girly, whatever that means. Um, and I was always kind of skinny and gangly and I didn't have a lot of curves. And um, it took me a while to make peace with that um, and then embrace it. And now I kind of love it. Uh, but when I was pregnant, it was kind of a shock to the system. And, you know, it honestly made me want to open up my own maternity line of clothing because maternity clothes are a nightmare for any kind of tomboyish queer lady. Um, it's really horrifying. So I... And it sounds like a really trivial problem, but, you know, your identity gets you're already going through this crazy metamorphosis with your body and your psyche. And then you feel like you're kind of being forced into this weird mold and you can't wear the things you want to wear. And you're my I had I, I went from a B cup to a D cup overnight. I've never had boobs. It, and I didn't like it. I didn't like the way my shirts fit. or when I just felt really um, weird in my body. While also beautiful at the same time, because it is just incredible what our bodies can do. Um, and and I did embrace it on some level, but it, it did really, um, yeah, it, it messed with my head a little bit. I would just say that that does not sound like a trivial problem to yeah. me. I mean, I really am asking because that's like a, it's a, you know, it's a real thing when yeah. I think right now about like how to create my family and sort of what that even like what family even is, because uh, for me, it's like the family that I was born into, plus the, you know, my wife and our friends mm -hmm. and like our tiny dog. And so just figuring out like ways to add to that. Literally, like the fact that I can't wear that I don't know what clothes would be available to me yeah. if I was pregnant, like how I would ever look the way that I think I should look in the world, that is a huge thing. That's yeah. a huge part of all of it. Yeah. What, did, what did you actually wear? 
I ended up getting uh, maternity jeans, a lot of maternity jeans, and then I went out and I got huge vintage concert t-shirts, like just big baggy, and I would just wear those over my belly and just get giant t-shirts. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I kind of, I made it, I, I by the end of the pregnancy, I made it work. And you know, I, I also wore really just kind of long dresses flowy dresses too just as simple as they could be because after a while you are like i am not putting on pants yeah. <laughs> like i'm gonna have to give into the dress a little bit um well what's really the difference between like a hugely oversized concert t-shirt and a long dress it's right not, like not it's a like and when straight up just like hemlines that's it exactly and you know when you when you dig around a little bit you find stuff that works and you know by the end you just want to be comfortable and you're not worried about it um but uh, but yeah, I do I do remember uh, and it, it, you know and being pregnant is already kind of like a it's a weirdly lonely experience because you whether you have support or not at the end of the day it's really just you doing it and and you're the one carrying it and you're the one kind of going on this emotional roller coaster journey um, and a lot of stuff comes up uh, that that you wouldn't expect it's a real journey inward and. Um, it kind of forces you to face a lot of things and deal with a lot of things so that you can kind of clear the space for this new life. So, you know, you're never ready. You're never ready. You can never really fully prepare. Whoa. <laughs> Is any part of that powerful? The, like, doing the thing, like what you're saying, having the full responsibility, loneliness, also, I mean, literally, this is my point of reference for what you're talking about. So please just have compassion. <laughs> I'm thinking about being out on the road and doing stand up. Yeah. Um, which is a very insular experience because you go perform for a lot of people and there's like a moment of connection and mm -hmm. um, like an energy exchange. And then you just go back to a hotel room by yourself. And like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I did that for years, that feeling of like, at the end of the day, it's just me. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with what you're talking about, but sort of emotionally. No, it's, it's absolutely uh, similar. There's a you're feeling giving there. all this energy to to people and to this and to that and to create this thing, and everyone loves it. And then you go and you're on your own. And but there is this moment at the end of the night for me in that thing where I go like, "Holy shit, I actually can do this. Like, if I have to, I can be here alone." Yeah, it's like the saddest thing, but also I. It's, have felt very powerful. It is very powerful. Um, and I, you know, I, my kid's four now. I'm, I'm not remarried. Um, his dad and I divorced right before he turned one. Um, and I was not really expecting to be doing it on my own. And that was kind of a shock. And I had to make peace with that. And then when I did, I, I really found uh, incredible strength and power in that and in embracing that. And... I think one thing that motherhood does is test you a lot and test your limits. And um, it, it's 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 like going into the woods and finding your spirit animal. It's like going on a pilgrimage. It's like climbing a mountain um, on your own. And, you know, no one's there to kind of see you at the top of the mountain, but you're there and you're breathing in the air and you know that you did it. And when you come off that mountain, you are not the same as when you started at the bottom. Um, and so it's really taught me kind of how resilient... Um, moms are and and pe people are in general because you know every time you get hit with a wave and you think oh my god I can't do this I can't, it's this is so hard and you always you know come out the other side and um, 
and then it kind of makes you feel badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you yeah. That does sound badass. Yeah. So I really and I'm I'm just one of those people that I guess I've had enough kind of crazy shit happen in my life and it's put things into perspective and so now when I am going through something really hard or um you know uh, something challenging coming up parenting wise uh you just got to be grateful like always just be grateful that you're having this experience that you're going through something difficult and that there's something here to learn and it can only make you stronger and you know this i know we've all heard this a million times but it really is true and the more you can just be find the gratitude and even in the bliss and the pain um it makes you less afraid of of things being hard um is is kind of what being a mom has taught me. One of the many things. <laughs> you know, that's kind of leading me to Well, so, you know, you and I have only met in face to face once one, by one other time. I know, when we were, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Um, but I have from afar like really had so much respect for um a lot of different things that you've done in your public-facing life. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's the part of you that I have access to is like what you're telling people. Yes. And I really think that... Well, so there's a couple things I want to talk to you about. Uh, number one, uh, we were talking about like presenting yourself to the world. And I just want to say that I love and have loved that you wear uh, suits. Yeah. On the red carpet. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. You're welcome. <laughs> I think that that has created a lot of space for folks. And I remember um, during, I think it was like the Oscar cycle or the Golden Globes, like you would know when somebody was talking about like Janelle Monet, and then it was like, like who did it first, Janelle Monet or Evan Rachel And Rich it became Wood. a competition. And then you were like, this is not what this is. Yeah. This is actually like, look at how much space there is for, oh my God, it's almost as if there could be two <laughs> Like yeah. two or even more. Um, yeah. You know, and Tegan and Sarah are people I really look to for the same sort of a thing, which is just like, oh, my God, we the how much pressure and you have stepped out that way for a long time. Yeah. How did you figure like where did that come from? The uh, impetus to do that? Um, I think growing up in the industry and, uh, you know, I was just kind of in a nutshell, a weird uh, theater kid growing up. Um, and I was in acting class all my life, five days a week, homeschooled. Uh, I've been working since I was very, very young. Um, so that was my life. And it was all about, you know, the art. Not to sound kind of douchey, but it was. Um, and it was never about the red carpets and fame. That's not what I focused on. It was all just consuming movies and this and that and practicing. And, um, and so then when I... When 13 came out and all of a sudden I was <laughs> a 15-year-old girl, like just on the brink of womanhood, I guess, or being a young woman, totally not comfortable in my body yet, um, never wore dresses, never even wore shorts, and I wore rash guards to the beach, I didn't wear bikinis, like I was just not, I never felt comfortable in any of these things. It didn't feel right. Um and then it was like, okay, you're famous now, and we're going to tell you what uh, is going to keep you there. And I started doing photo shoots, and I would ask for pants, and they'd always give me dresses. And then, you know, when I got up the nerve to say, I really don't want to wear this dress, they'd say, we're not going to take a picture unless you're wearing the dress. I can't send 
blank blank magazine pants is like what I'd get a lot. They were just like absolutely not. Like it's not marketable, no way. And I was like, I'm sick. I'm 15 and totally uncomfortable in my body, and you're making me put on a dress and smile. And so I would do photo shoots with tears in my eyes, and I just thought I was weird or something wrong with me. Um, and I just remembered that feeling. And then I, I, I know I've spoken to so many actresses and people that, um, like, if when I do wear a suit or when I cut all my hair off, I get people saying like, "Oh, I wish I had the face to do that with my hair. Oh, I wish I had the confidence to wear that or do that." And um, because we've been told that if you don't do it the way everyone's telling you to do it, you're not going to be liked or loved or it's going to hurt your career or this or that. And I just thought that was such bullshit, um, especially when you're an artist and your job is uh, creativity and expression. And then to when I was put in a situation where I thought that's what it was about, and then everyone kept telling me that I was wrong for being me, it really pissed me off um, and kind of sent me over the edge and honestly made me kind of question what I was doing and if I even wanted to do it and because I just but it also made me uh, kind of go like a charging bull and just say I'm going to keep <laughs> my father uh, the way that he always describes me uh, or to people when they're like what is she doing or when is she going to do this he goes look if I know my daughter she's going to do it when she's good and ready like you can't get her to do the things that you ask her to do she's going to do her own thing and that's my daughter and I love her for it um, and I've always kind of been that way and sometimes it gets me into trouble and sometimes it I, it works out really well and this was just one of those cases especially after November um, I was just over it um, and I didn't care anymore. And I thought this now is the time. I certainly wasn't the first person to do it, but obviously it's still a thing because everyone's talking about it. Yes. And so that just goes to show it's like, sure, maybe it's not a big deal for most people, but it is still a big deal when a woman does that and says something like that. Well, so. I mean, it's in our, in, I'm going to speak as if you and I <laughs> share a field. Um, <laughs> we do. We do. In our in our industry, um, the so I think there's sort of two things that I want to talk about here. Number one, this is an utterly relatable experience because what you're talking about is the same like bullying and patrolling that so many of our listeners face mm -hmm. and that so many queer people face uh, for everything, which is this sort of like triangulating, like, I'm sorry, what you're doing is not okay because we need this. Like, yeah. that is, um, I mean, I think anybody listening probably has a thousand access points to mm -hmm. what you're talking about. And the the specificity, like the the only way in which it's different is sort of like the youth paired with like the future in a job. Because there are also people that are, you know, whatever age we are that go to their jobs and like have to make a decision like how will I be taken the most seriously in the boardroom? Like mm -hmm. is it like a skirt or is it pants? Or how do I need to wear my hair to like have my male boss mm -hmm. accept me yeah. when I am a queer woman? Like, how, what can I? Yeah. What do I offer, like a straight cis dude, um, if I'm a queer woman? Like, what am I offering him so that I feel safe at the workplace? Like, this is all. Like, all of this is everywhere, and I think that um, 
you know, what I'm talking about respecting is the sort of like beam of light, the laser beam that is shown on people that have jobs in this industry. But it's a refined and pinpoint experience of this thing that everybody that's in the queer community is experiencing all the time. Mm-hmm. And everything that women are experiencing I was going to say, time. yeah, it's it's really, I don't think people realize uh, uh, the, the many questions we have to ask ourselves that uh, not everybody does. I mean, I... I don't want to wear a bra every day, but I have to weigh the, okay, am I willing to have people look at me and make comments and feel preyed upon, you know, to feel comfortable or do I just put the bra on and, you know, so I feel safer. And it sucks that you have to weigh just comfortability with your safety. Um, That's crazy to me. Uh, And I, you know, I'm I'm bisexual. And one thing that I've also had uh, trouble with is sometimes when I date men, and this is when I know I need to get out of the relationship, um, is when I open up my closet and I'm like, okay, what is not going to make him feel uncomfortable or like I'm too gay? Like, how do I like make myself less gay so that he's less threatened? And then I start altering my identity in the way I look to kind of make myself smaller so that other people aren't freaked out or like intimidated. or It's just... It, I don't know. It's a whole thing. I totally hear you. I mean, I I uh, haven't dated men in a long time, <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean I'm not around them, especially as a stand-up comic. You know, like I I absolutely what you're saying about like November sort of breaking something. I mean, I will I will say that. I have always been out and pretty outspoken. I'm like, unfortunately, very Italian and I can't shut up. I just like have to scream really loud all the time. And it's a problem. Um, Slash wouldn't be a problem at all if I was a dude. Um, Right. But, you know, something that I have noticed in my stand up community is that, like, for years, what I have done to myself to not be scary because I'm so loud and I'm so gay. Uh, what I have done to not be scary for my like friends mm-hmm. and coworkers um, and the community that I really love, um, I have been shocked to realize that like those same people, not all of them will go to the bat for me now that we are in a, a, an era and a time when like shit is this scary. Yeah. And not just for me, but for people of color, not just for me, but like for Muslims who live in this country, for people who are undocumented who live here, mm-hmm. for LGBT folks. Yeah. Like the fact that not all of these comics that I have made myself small for, like you're talking about, mm-hmm. are tweeting about like the trans military ban as if it is like a fucking bonkers uh, fascist piece of... Not even legislation, because it's just a tweet. It's just a tweet. Yeah. Um, <gasps> like, the fact that that community w- wasn't as mobilized for me and for the things I care about has really changed how I look at the way I want to present myself to other people. Because mm-hmm. I think I was presenting myself a certain way so that I could get allies. Like, exactly. Like, I need to feel safe. I need to feel... And also, like, you guys are funny. Yeah. I want to be accepted by you. Yes. Because you're funny and you joke around a lot and your shirts are hilarious. You know, like whatever it is that I was trying to do, <laughs> you know, like I do feel that that broke for me. And I look at my community very differently right now because mm-hmm. it's not just like I would have I would have been like, I am a comic because that's what you're taught. Like you have to be uh, you have to have allegiance to that 
There's mm-hmm. there's some um, like heteronormativity in there, especially for women that do the job, where it's like you have to be in alliance with the dudes who are in your field. Even yeah. When they have, and then we, even when their behavior is terrible. That's been changing. Absolutely. It, yes. I, I, I feel like it's changed for a lot of women. I, I, I was having this conversation with somebody the other night, and they said, as a woman, what difference can you feel kind of in the country around? I went, um, women are pissed. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you right now, like, they've had it, and stuff is really starting to change. And even little, and you know what? And I've also seen a shift in a lot of men, too. And I've noticed that they're more open to talking about it and want to know, and their eyes have been slightly open to, oh, yeah, you know what? I never thought about you having to deal with that, or or I, I never would have to think that or alter the way that I dress to walk out the door. And, you know, so I, I, I've definitely noticed a shift. Um, but uh, and I've stopped letting even like the little things slide, even just kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm I, that's not what they meant. And it was like a harmless comment. And I'll be like, hey, you know, dude. You can't really say that anymore. Come on, man. Like, I'll, I'll have to speak up. Or, um, you know, I have friends, uh, especially women and actresses and stuff. You know, we deal with uh, people making us slightly uncomfortable or making comments. And if we say anything, we feel like, oh, well, we're going to be like a bitch. Or um, it's words going to get around on set. And it'll be like, oh, well, she's, you know, doesn't have a sense of humor. Or like, blah, 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 blah. And then everyone's afraid of you. And then you get labeled right away. And like, and this is not always the case. But these are the thoughts that go on in our heads. Where we're like, if I say this, is my job going to be threatened? Am I going to be labeled? Am I not a fun time? Am I too uptight? Like, oh, and yes. it's the worst. <laughs> like, Because you should be able to. So now it's like finding the art of not being like. Get your fucking hands off of me, but just be like, "Hey, uh, dude, that's you're really close to my ass right now. Can you just move your hand? Thanks." Like, you know, like uh, yeah, I think um, the having to worry so much about uh, unlikability is sort of what you're yes. talking about. Like that, that's a, and you know, I also would say that um, another thing that the election taught me that I'm using in my daily life and in my work is that. You know, like, I thought, I guess I thought, this is a dumb thing. <laughs> we all thing. thought so many things. I guess I thought that, um, I guess I thought that white women were, um, like, on the side of justice uh, and looking at the way that uh, the voting returns came back, I found out, like, oh, actually, white women are on the side of uh, white supremacy. And so, like, I've been trying to also just like Jesus fucking Christ expand my mind on who I again like really like who like where I am like Mm -hmm. what my positioning is and I do feel that um, before I was I mean I've almost like stopped telling jokes on Twitter or I like only tell jokes that are like super gay uh, because (laughs) because like a lot of what I have found seems more important to me right now is um using my small platform to bo- to boost uh, other voices. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a difference here because I do think that, like, in what your job is and, like, sort of... I mean, I even think about, like, the wardrobe that you wear for Westworld, mm-hmm. like, things like that. I think that you just being, like, out and queer... I mean, I just, like was talking about this this morning on the internet like you being out and queer is such a political act yeah um so thank you for doing that that's the second thing i thank you for suits being out and queer thank you for those two things um how does that feel on a daily basis what like uh... 
Well, I guess like sharing yourself with the world like that, because you being you is one thing. And then you being you and taking that into the public sphere, which is like, it's not, you're offering that to yeah. the world. By the way, you can hear my stomach. I'm so I hungry. I thought that was me that it time. It is my stomach is oh. <laughs> being picked up by these very strong microphones. Why didn't I eat more food? I, this is a mistake It's also sparkling water, so we're just kind of adding to I the, know, I know, just pouring. I'm like bur- silently burping over here. Great. Like turning my oh, head away this, from the mic. Isn't this perfect? It's great. Just silent burping and loud tummies. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's all about. Um... Is, but to answer your your stomach's question, um, I uh, it's it's interesting because it honestly it's not even like I made a conscious decision one day I'd be like I'm just gonna share myself with the world. I literally just felt like a pot with a lid on it, and I just couldn't help it anymore because the things that have happened to me or my experience is really matching up with a lot of other people's right now and a lot of what's going on in the world. And I'm sitting here with you know, uh, you know, over 300,000 followers and, uh, and a platform and access to the media. And, um, I'm not a, you know, uh, whatever people want to label, uh, I don't know, actors that speak out. Um, I'm, I, I don't live in a mansion. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I work really hard, and I was raised by a single mom and in the South, um, so I, I'm not like a, I don't know, I don't even want to use like some of the words. Um, but uh, it feels amazing. It was slightly terrifying at first, um, but like when I came out, I really was just so ready to do that because I didn't, because I, I wanted to be able to fully present myself to people how I felt, and I, and I, I also believe that we're not terminally unique, and I think I felt so strange and so weird and ashamed of a lot of things. There's just so much shame in a lot of what we carry um, because people don't talk about it, um, and I just felt like it was important to let people know they weren't alone because I remember how it was for me when I had role models like that growing up and so again it's just like hey this was my experience and I know this helped me so I hope I can give it to somebody else and also things are really crazy right now I mean literally the street is on fire like right next to us the end of the street that we're recording this on is actually on it's, fire. it's literally on fire, fire right now guys like um evan drove here <laughs> i was like i think it's totally safe but that being said like the street is on fire yeah. so as long as like that's not a major problem for you if you're cool with just like fire streets totally fine um and honestly that's like the least of my concerns at this point um and so i yeah i i, I don't know i just i it, 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 I just felt compelled to do it. And, um, you know, I uh, last year after the election, too, I kind of came out about my own sexual assault stories. And that I was not re- I didn't really know what was going to happen when I did that. I was like, um, you know, I might just fly under the radar or whatever. But um, it blew up and it was really surreal and overwhelming um, at first. But I was really terrified when I did that because I thought, oh, my God, is this going to be the only thing people are going to be able to see when they look at me now? Like... Am I going to be, is this just going to be forever, like, the thing, the cloud, like, over my head and people aren't going to be able to get past it? Um, and it was so the opposite. And I'm so, I could, I was so happy that I did it after the overwhelming shock of, 
sharing that with the world um, and then getting, you know, other people's stories, it was just the most freeing, amazing, empowering thing. One of the most empowering things I've ever done. And um, so, I don't know, I think just after you do it once, you want to do it again and you want to do it again because you realize it's way less scary than you think it's going to be. And to give people a little more credit sometimes, you know. Yeah. I missed, I somehow, like, I don't, I don't know that that happened. Oh, it did, I mean, yeah. the, the, you sharing that. Yeah. Um, how, what was the, how did you, what did you, how did you put that into the world? Um, well, I think because uh, of Westworld and, right. um, and another film that I had done, and there were, there was themes of sexual assault in both with my character. And I kept getting, people kept asking me questions about it. And the reporters kept picking up on the fact I seemed quite knowledgeable about what I was talking about, but I was really being careful about how I talked about it and skirting around questions and like not wanting to confirm anything because I was like, I'm not making this a sob story. This isn't about me. Like it's about the problem. And like, if I tell my story, then it's going to be terrible and everyone's going to think I'm doing it for attention and blah, blah, blah. More stuff that we all think about of like, if I do this, this is what people are going to think. So I should just shut up. Um, and and then a reporter just flat out asked me and I was doing an interview for Rolling Stone and she just went, have you been raped? And I was just first of all, like, I've never just been asked this question point blank. And I feel bad about lying, um, especially like in the press. So I usually will just say no comment or whatever. And I answered kind of without answering um, and just said, well, I've had experience, every woman's had experiences and, you know, I'm not like, eh, just skirted. And, um, and then the election happened. And, um, and first of all, I was so triggered by uh, all the days leading up to the election and, you know, when all the, the recordings came out and whatever, I so triggered. A lot of women have been triggered by this administration um, yes. and sexual assault survivors and a lot of people. Um, so that was really heavy. And then when it happened, I was just like, okay, I'm done. I wrote Rolling Stone a letter and I said, here you go. Here's my story. And here's why I didn't want to say anything. And it's a problem. And we should talk about it because this is ridiculous. And that's when I also vowed to wear suits for all of award season. I just, oh my gosh. I, mean, I went through the roof. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, but I, I really share... Um, Oh, so much of what you said is exactly right. I mean, the I'm like pinging on the um, on you saying like, oh, is she doing this for attention? Like that being a real thing, you know. In I've talked about this for a couple of years, but I I feel like it. So something that happens like cyclically in the stand-up world is that there's always like some dude who tells a rape joke, and then some audience yeah. member that gets upset, and then. The dude gets to say that he was censored, and then, like, things are written about that. Like, oh, like, is censorship okay, and, like, can audience members have responses to things? Mm -hmm. And um, it's usually that the, that the, there, like, is no survivor perspective, and there's also, like, never a female perspective. It's never, like, then they interview other, then, then they interview female comics to see what it's like being on the, whatever. Right. Um, and so... <sighs> You know, I feel like the thing that I am also a survivor. Nice. What's up? What's up? And uh, I, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're fist bumping. Yeah. You guys can't see it. <laughs> and when I, I am, 
I always think to myself, it's like, no, no, no. Like statistically, the audience, like the audience, there are survivors in there. It's not like one. Oh my There's, god, there are definitely. You can't it's like throw a stone without are, hitting a woman, then, right? Uh, there yeah. are. Uh, you can't throw a stone without hitting a woman. Uh, period. Period. <laughs> um, but. Uh, then there, there probably are. I would say that statistically, there are probably also survivors on the lineup with you, and I think that's some like a way that we don't frame things. So it's so you know thinking about like your job. Well, anyway, so it's like when you are on stage telling a shitty joke that ha- like that punches down and has no. By the way, no topics are off limits. Yeah, but like the jokes have to be good. I and agree. The, um, I agree. The thing that is being taken down has to be the power structure like that's what stand-up is that's what art is art dismantles power like that's the whole point otherwise it's propaganda so um that's that's the perspective that the joke has to take so nobody's censoring you also you can't really be censored when you're being paid to do something that's like not really a thing (laughs) it's like censorship is somebody like arresting you on the street yeah for just um, for just like standing on a street corner telling a bad rape joke Mm -hmm. that arrest has never been made in this country um (laughs) so you're uh you don't even understand the meaning of that word but um also like this these are your peers that you're talking to. It's not just like some distance audience, some distant audience. Right. It's the people that are doing the work with you. And um I think that also is something that you know people who are writing scripts should be thinking about too, especially like men that are writing scripts because yeah. statistically um that's who might not be aware of the fact that like the actors in the thing or the like boom operator like that this is not this is I think this is something that we talk about as if it's always happening outside the room mm-hmm. like there isn't somebody that around who really has experience with this yeah and I think that statistically every every project that has had sexual assault in it that's 1,000%. been done in this in this city has had people involved in that project who were survivors absolutely just like every show there are always audience members there are always other comics like we we are everywhere it will surprise you yeah and that's one thing i noticed after i did uh go public with everything is people coming out of the woodwork and yeah do going and doing an interview with somebody and the second they turn off the recorder they're like hey i and they start crying and I'm like, oh, my God, the people interviewing you, you know, the, yeah, the boom operators, this, that, like, you'll just get random people coming up to you and giving you and giving you hugs and just saying thanks and people that you would not expect. So absolutely. Oh. Anyway, sorry, I just like dropped that bomb. No, I like I'm really, you know, um, also, I've like totally watched Westworld uh-huh. and it is hard to watch. Yeah, because of that happening, because of because of like your character is it's hard to watch what's happening to your character. Yeah. Uh, So that actually gives me like really different framing. And um, I don't mean it's hard to watch because like it just is it's hard to watch for me as a person who I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, totally. I know what's happening here. Yeah. Um, Um, I thought they handled it really well, though. Um, The showrunners are incredible. And. It really is a commentary on 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 those things, and um, there's actually no rape in the show. Like you never see it. Number one, that's right, and that yeah. is really appreciated. Yeah. and it's and it, it's all the crime and the pain, yes. and that's it. And you don't get to you know even just uh, accidentally be tillized by anything. No, that's like, totally right. And actually, and that's something that I that is really great about it because there is a moment where. 
like early on in in the season, like absolutely things could go a different way where you could suddenly be seeing a lot of that. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that you don't. But that also it's like not glossed over. Yeah, it's, no. it does seem to be like striking a really interesting balance of like illusion more mm-hmm. illusion uh, as opposed to um, showing us what's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we do turn it on its head completely yes is, you do which is great <laughs> yes you do which is really i know all fun. the things That's you're talking been, about that was so fun for me <laughs> <laughs> um and i didn't even know that was going to happen when i signed on to do the show i mean they told me that my character was going to get stronger and she wasn't going to stay like the damsel in distress but i had no idea that so much of the themes uh were about the repressed and women and what we find entertaining and violence and rape. And I was just like, right. oh, my God, this is a commentary on so many things. Um, and it's to- also like us reading into what's happening, which is like which is what they're which is what they did also with mm-hmm. like your character changing. Yeah. Um, because it's not actually that your character changes. It's like that the she, context changes and we understand her more. Exactly, yeah. And she kind of finds what was already there. Right. Oh, my God. I Great. <laughs> <laughs> You're so, working right now. You're, yeah, I mean, we're in not, the middle of season two. <sighs> yes. These are long days. Don't worry. It won't be as hard for you to watch. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that like it's not a pleasure. I just mean that... Um, no, it should be hard to watch. It's yes, to be. I think it should be hard to if watch. If it was easy to watch, we're not doing our jobs, yes. right? It shouldn't be, like, fine to watch it, those scenes. No, it shouldn't be fine to watch those yeah. scenes. Yeah, so that's No, it good. should not. Congratulations. Good, you passed the human test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. I watched that. I just didn't feel anything. Yeah, like, I, I just thought she was doing fine. Like, God, she seems like she's doing fine the whole time. She's really whining. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's not that bad. You're not even real. Jesus. Oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, what is it like playing a character who's supposed to be a robot? It's pretty rad um, because it gives you permission to be superhuman. Um, so I have moments on set kind of, I, I don't know if you've seen Wonder Woman, but I freaking loved it. Of course I saw Wonder Woman. Yeah. Of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I would be like fine with a sequel that's just more training sequences. Oh my god, that was the best part. <laughs> and with like other body types. Do you know what I mean? It just like like the camera turns a little bit and we see like all the Amazons and there's so many of them. <laughs> and they're just like some of them are warriors and others of them are just like kind of like reading. You know, yeah. like just like different types of women. There's like chefs and stuff. <laughs> But with a breastplate, everybody has a breastplate. Yeah, absolutely. You get the 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 hard breast. But anyway, yes, continue. Um, so, I felt um, I, I when I'm working on the show, I feel similar to kind of how I felt when I was watching that movie, and and I thought, why is this affecting? I cried multiple times when I watched Wonder Woman, and I went because I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go support this. We gotta go do it. Um, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. And then, literally five minutes into the movie, I turned to uh, my date, who was a girl, actually, and went, um, I'm sorry, I am I am really getting emotional right now. I think I'm going to cry. And she looked at me, she went, I'm crying right now. <laughs> and she had tears streaming down her face. I was like, okay, thank God. Thank God it's not just, right? This is really powerful. Because um, the representation was just something I had never quite seen like that. And so when the little girl was watching all the warriors and pretending to fight, I literally started crying. Um, and it's very similar things happen to me on the show where I'm asked to do things that I'm just never asked to do. And 
it doesn't seem like it's a big deal until you're doing it. And, you know, like there was a scene where someone yells for me to run. And uh, and instead I stop and I turn around and I kill everybody and save the day. <laughs> um, but the first take, they yelled run and I ran. And I literally ran out the door and out the shot and stopped myself and came back in and everyone looked really confused. And I just said, I'm so used to running. That's always what I'm asked to do. I've never been asked to stay and fight. And I kind of looked at all the women on the set and it, it was like the scene from Anchorman where she finally gets to read the news and all the girls are behind the monitor kind of crying and clapping. And, you know, it was it was a big moment. Um, so that's awesome. And especially um, it's the timing couldn't be more perfect with kind of where we are um, kind of as a species, I guess. Um, and I think it's really important to have those kind of characters right now um, because after I saw Wonder Woman, I was like, oh, man, I can do anything. I don't go fly to the car. You know? <laughs> yeah. Number and, one, absolutely fly to the car. Great yeah, idea. Yeah, totally. That's how you get there the fastest. Yeah. Um, but I I agree with you fully. I think that, oh, yes, entertainment does matter so much it because it's like the, I mean, first of all, this is two people in entertainment being like, entertainment does it's matter. So it's like so important. Nothing's um, more important. <laughs> but um, no, for me, I'll say, I mean, this is why I do the job. Like you have to uh, see the thing before you can be the thing. And um we're doing a little bit better yeah. at that, which is great. Mm -hmm. I hope that it also happens in like politics and other <laughs> places where this could be really helpful too. Yeah. Um, but you know, those, but I do think like 10 years ago, I wasn't necessarily hearing, maybe I'm more tapped into the news, but I wasn't necessarily hearing about like, what did Maxine Waters say? You know, like what shoes yeah. uh, was somebody wearing while they filibustered against abortion like or uh -huh. against like abortion restrictions like oh, now God. I feel like I am getting these stories and that's making me feel strong it did make me feel strong to see Wonder Woman I think the way that she was shot was very different I mean obviously yeah. Patty Jenkins like being behind the camera really certainly makes the the vantage point different but um I don't know when she when she like climbs up to run across that no man's oh. land just the way that she's like holding her body and and her chest and i don't know if it's because like gal gadot was in the military i think she was in the israeli army yeah because uh i don't know if it's like that or the training that they had her do specifically but um she wasn't posing yeah and like her shoulders are like back yeah um and, and the, the way that her costume is designed kind of looks more like 300 yeah they they didn't like cinch her waist and no. really tight or anything yeah she looked powerful but also sexy and strong and because i was watching it going why don't i feel like she's being objectified she's wearing an outfit and it's very revealing but it was never yeah it was shot in a way where we could appreciate her and her strength and her body and the femininity of it but but it wasn't um to be an object for just sexual pleasure, I guess. It's like, because I feel like you can still appreciate women and think they're beautiful and sexy however they look, how shape, size, whatever. Um, but to to do that in a film and not objectify them at the same time is a really hard thing to do. And I think they did a really good yes. job of that. I also think that, you know, just because a woman is not wearing a lot of clothing, 
Yeah. That doesn't have to be inherently like sexy. Although, exactly. like, I mean, sure. Did she look good? Yes. Cameron Esposito stamp of okay, approval. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but like, <laughs> but I do think that something about the, where they, where she's like trying on a bunch of different clothes, that montage, where she was like <laughs> yeah, trying to figure so out what good. would be functional for fighting. Yes. That was great to see in there too, because like women who um, like are MMA fighters, they don't wear like a long shapeless garment because like they need their legs free yeah um to fight right so it's just practical. i liked that it was set up as a practical outfit absolutely and i think that that is cool and like kind of a punk rock way to talk about being a woman i agree shit we've solved so much in yeah a very short amount of time. i know i think i want to i'm looking at the time and like sort of aware of our um so I think I want to talk a little bit more about, because you said, you know, you were like raised in this industry. I don't yes. have to tell you this. As you know, you were raised in this I was, industry. yes. Raised by the industry, as right. I like to call it, yeah. <laughs> you also played a queer character like super young. Yes. We were the first. How old were you? We were you? one first of the first same-sex kisses on a network, network television. television show. Yeah, you don't have to tell me, kid. Boo! I know this shit. <laughs> you and Misha know your queer history. Uh, um, yes, me and Misha Parton. Yeah, dude. Of course, I know my queer history. Um, and uh, how old were you actually when that was happening? I was fourteen. Holy shit! I mean, like, oh my word! It's making me grab my face just because I'm thinking about myself at fourteen. Yeah, and. Did you know yourself yes. at 14? You knew? Well, was, I, yeah, I, I did. I did not know myself at 14. I was, like, very disconnected from what right. was going on. I, I mean, I definitely knew that I had same-sex tendencies, and I had, I had had secret girlfriends, like, in middle school. Um, it started kind of, like, when I was 12, and, you know, it was all done, you know, hidden and, you know... Um, we were just like making out. We weren't doing anything when we were twelve, but like, <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> just for the record, um, but uh, you know, but it was still terrifying, and I, I, I hadn't come out to anybody. Um, and then that storyline came up, and I was just like, "How do they know? How do they know?" Um, Did you think they knew? No, no, no one knew. Like, right, so, no one knew. So, how was this framed to you as like a an actor, and but also like a child actor? Like, they, like um, what? How did they present it to you? They just you said, you know, we're we're thinking about Jesse having a crush on a girl, and my mom was in the meeting with me, and I went, you know what? I think that's a really, I think that's great that you guys are doing that. And my mom's wonderful and was so supportive and was like, yes, this is a thing. She's like, I had crushes on girls in middle school, and you know, I think we should all, we should definitely, you know. And again, it was a very well written show and the the creators were are geniuses and so I knew it was going to be done well um but it was really interesting for me to be playing a girl that is coming to terms with her sexuality and hasn't told anybody when it was kind of what I was going through and I kind of got a crush on Misha and like or I guess she knows that now um sorry like, Misha. <laughs> sorry about it sorry not sorry um and uh you know and then having to do like the scene where we kiss for the first time was really wild for me um but how, also beautiful at the same time how are you able to manage that like i mean as a as a human being it's a is good it question your mom is it what, what how did you have the strength so far i think a lot of what we talked about just kind of falls under like what you were talking about your dad describing you like you won't do something until you're ready to do it or whatever uh -huh. but like 
Where the fuck does that come from? I don't know. Um, my parents are very similar. Um, and they're artists and certainly always taught me to think outside the box and, um, so to speak. <clears throat> but, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Sorry. I think I actually got it. Sorry, guys. Um, but no, but no, they did. Um, and I think it's just always kind of been something innately in me. Um, and also, it's just toxic for my body and my self-esteem and my emotional health. If I'm not doing what is authentic, I I just will get physically ill. Like I, and so sometimes I even feel like it's not even like a choice. <laughs> it's uh, but. Um, I don't know, but my mom is a very, uh, very strong, very independent uh, feminist, um, sometimes to the extreme. <laughs> but uh, I, so I think that definitely helped um, kind of having her and then um, just, the, just the women I've, I've, I've known along the way and that have kind of taken me under their wing. Julie Taymor is like another mom. Linda Perry is like my gay fairy godmother. Um, and I have amazing women in my life that have made sure I was safe and, and, and taken care of. Um, and when I've fallen, there's been people to, to help me if I have the balls to ask for help. Um, so that, that certainly helps. And, you know, you just have your mental breakdowns away from the cameras. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, of course. Don't, you know, because people are like, God, how did you be a child star and not, you know, go off the rails? And I was like, oh, no. Uh, Oh no, I did. Uh, I just, I just did it, not in front of paparazzi, in front of people. And great I did it, idea. I did it in, yeah, in the cover of darkness. Um, <laughs> great idea. So you know, no one's in, really exempt from that. But <laughs> yeah, you, you mean like you're a person? I'm a person. Yeah, it's weird yeah. to think about, but I yeah. am. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, it's. Because that's because that's the other thing that I that wasn't going back to sorry going back to the sexual assault thing. But one thing that was also important was not projecting a false um, uh, idea of oh no I'm fine now like I'm totally fine I'm strong I'm fine you know I'm over it like I did yeah I did the work and like I'm good now it's like yeah no I'm good and I'm happy but um, I'm still not okay like I'll never fully be okay with that. and I think that's another thing that's important to remember is uh, you can definitely be happy and move on and have a great life. Um, but sometimes you don't get over that shit. And I think that's OK. Like, and it changes the way you look at kind of the world forever. Um, but it's a part of life. And it's what you choose to do with it. And so I think, uh, yes, I am human. And yeah, um, I'm successful and I'm, I'm doing really well. But yeah, good God, we all have our good days and bad days. Um, and uh, uh, I feel strong, but I'm not superhuman. At yeah, all. no. Well, I think I think what you're talking about there is another thing that I mean, it's really why queer people are a family, also, mm-hmm. because like the. The things that were put on us that we did not ask for and like the right needles that we had to thread. Um, those experiences, whatever they may be, um, like 
you tend to have uh, some negative shit. You tend to have some hurt. You tend to have some pain. Um, I don't know if that's going to be different for different generations of humans, like now in, in this post world, like post marriage equality world. I don't think it's like better for like kids now. I don't know if like someday in 30 years, like there's some generation of kids that are born. I don't, I have no idea, but I will say right now, you know, the reason that I really feel like a family with other queer people is because like we have um, scars. Yeah. Like that's the thing I think that you're talking about is that healing can happen, but scars remain. And yeah. like, um, I don't know. Like, let's and just that, say something. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, like tattoos are scars. Yeah. If you, they are. you know, you know, if you like are uh, looking at tattoos and thinking like that they're cool art, they're also like scars. Yeah. It's, it's something you're choosing and like doing for yourself. But I just mean like scars aren't necessarily a disgusting problem to be not at to all. Be fixed. But mm-hmm. I do think that you're right. Yeah. Like this is so so like you and I have community on a bunch of different levels, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what's what I'm trying to do like with this little podcast or just like with whatever thing I can use with, with my um, platform and my work and like touring. And I think what you're talking about too, and what you're trying to do is like to talk about our commonality. Yes. Take the shame out of it. Yeah. And, and the feeling weird and, and yeah, terminally kind of unique. I love that terminally unique. Yeah. What is that? Well, I, is that I from you? Is that it, out of your brain? It, no, I can't remember who started that, but I think I had that problem um, and was just really shut myself away from the world and got angry and because um, I was in so much pain and I felt strange and um like like there was just no place for me i just really believed this at one point i was just like i just was not made for this world uh and i should just get out of here what am i doing um i i get it out. i don't want to go outside um and then you know i think somebody one day just said you know you're not you're not terminally unique you're actually way more like other people than you think and um and i think sometimes we don't want to believe that um, you know, because sure. sometimes it feels good to be terminally unique. And sometimes we need to wallow in our shit so that we can move on and just be in it. Um, but then I think uh, um, just one of the greatest lessons that I learned was that you're really not. Um, and that's that's not a bad thing. Um, it, it connects us all. And whatever your story is, there's a way you can find yourself in people's stories, whether they're like yours or not. Um and no one's exempt from pain. Everyone has a story, no matter how it looks on the surface. Um, and I don't, you know, with the exception of a lot of, I don't know, certain, I don't even know how to explain it. I don't think anybody's born a, a monster. You know what I mean? Even people that I look at, I'm just like, how are you like this? How can you think these things? How can you do these things? And then I think back to some of the shit I did and I was like, oh, I did that because I felt really unloved and angry. And it doesn't excuse it, but having an understanding of it helps me not be as angry as they are and not hate people and not um, carry that with me because that ends up hurting you more than anybody else. And forgiveness to me isn't about absolving somebody of their sins. It's releasing yourself from the anger if you can understand people. And the more you tell your story, the m- and the more you can relate to other people and they can relate to you, the more 
you can start f seeing the common ground and the understanding, the less of a divide there is, and we all just get closer and closer. And so that's why stuff like this is important. This podcast, talking, just having debates, whether you agree or not, you know, because sometimes it's not even about what you're debating about. It's like, where is this coming from? Where, why, why do you feel like this? What? Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's figure where's the. What's where's the core of this problem? What's it really about? And the more we can get to the bottom of that, I feel like um, the easier things will be. But, you know, it's going to be a journey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of why, um, you know, if if there's like one thing to try to work on right now, I think like for future generations and uh, is. And like especially white people, because this is really our yeah. burden. Come on, guys. Is like. um Let's try to, here's what I'm trying to focus on, like reducing toxic masculinity, because a lot of the reason that like white dudes specifically and straight white dudes are so angry is because they they have failed meeting this standard that no human being should live up to, yeah. which is like actually the robot standard that you were talking about. Like they, you know, the, these are young men who are raised um, to believe that like emotion is weakness and mm -hmm. love is a woman trapping you and like whatever right. you know other 12 or 97 which is a shame awful things because i feel like a lot of men are being told lies and those are being lies brainwashed yes. in a way those are lies and, yes. and it sucks and then they try to have healthy relationships and it's like oh my god this is not how this works this is not how women work this yeah. is not how the world works and but you're stuck in feeling like if you don't do this you're not gonna yeah live up to a certain standard you're not good enough you're not this you're not gonna be loved it all goes back right. to like right. you're not gonna be loved um <laughs> so queering the system is one way that I'm trying to work on that. Yeah. Is just like if if there's different norms, then that that will affect everybody. And yeah. maybe we can all have a little bit more peace if we can just like shift those norms a little bit. If we yeah. can just get more men in dresses. Yeah, no, right. The next step is <laughs> a dude wearing a dress to the award shows and being like, Yeah, that's what I wanted to wear. I'm not kidding. That's at not all. that's not, you know, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, like that like a dress in it looks good like it's fit, yeah it's like well fit yeah i thought of that i was like yeah. that's the next step that's that's we'll, gonna be we'll work on that yeah choice yes. choice again yes. not protesting dresses no those are great i still wear them so no right like a like an inhale yes. choice man yeah like there's not just one way to be there's not one kind of relationship there's not one kind of sexuality there's not just heteronormative this right you know that's the shit i have never been able to feel normal in like well Evan, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Seriously, for talking to me and also for the work that you do. Oh, I, I mean, too, it really man. does matter. And um, you should know that. I hope you do know that. And <laughs> uh, before we leave this conversation, um, I did want to ask if you have like a queero that you want to shout out. I mean, you meant to mention some folks already, but if there was any other like a space or a movie or a person that made you feel comfy being yourself, um, you could do that now. If you feels like it, um, I mean, I think I remember the the. Did you ever see um, if these walls could talk? I know one it's or a two, but question of the course, first. One. Yeah. I think the first one, the one with Sharon Stone and and Ellen and Ellen. That's if and these walls could talk too. That's the second. <laughs> oh, that's right. That is the second one. You are so right. <laughs> um, did they make another one? 
if these walls could talk, one is about um, abortion. If these walls could talk, two is about queerness. Okay, I'm talking about that. Yeah. I don't listen. I'm sorry, but this is my particular area of expertise. Absolutely. No, that's why you're here. And I love learning. I'm like, yes, please tell me. Please school me on this. Like, yeah, I'm fine with this. Um, so, okay, these walls could talk too. Yes. Um, I think that was so huge for me because I saw it when I was 12 and uh, I couldn't breathe. Uh, and Chloe 70 rolled up. With that slick back hair on that Four, motorcycle. Get it. And I was like, I'm done. Forget it. I'm done. Bye. Four, <laughs> like, get it. I literally, I still have the journal entry that I wrote um, <laughs> after I watched this. Uh, and it was just like, well, now I know <laughs> like, what's going on. Here's what's going uh, on. That's um, great. And I, yeah, I still, I still have it. It's, it's really hilarious. But uh, yeah, so, you know. Chloe Seventy, man, these walls could talk too. Yeah, Dose. that's some important stuff. I will absolutely second that. If you have not seen this, guys, do it. Yeah, do it now. I don't even know where you can find it these days. Like uh, HBO thing, we'll find it. We'll find I, it. We'll I think, it. Y- yeah, you might have to dig around like for that a little app, bit. On go, on go, it might be on go. Yeah, HBO and go. dude, she's like with Michelle Williams in it. Like I always forget it was Michelle Williams. I know it's a There's whole, like a whole thing. thing. Yeah. Um, but it's also just like a beautiful film. And, it's, a, um, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. It's, it's really cool. And awesome. Ellen and Sharon are amazing. Too. They're amazing. <laughs> They've got great chemistry. <laughs> they really do. Well, thank you so much, Evan. Thank you. Yeah. Let's go find now who we are. Who we are. Well, listeners, that's our show. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Cameron Esposito. We are recorded by Matt Brousseau, produced by Sierra Catow, and Feral Audio. Our theme song is by AW, and you can find them at listentoaw.com. Thanks for listening to Query. Feral Audio. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, (laughs) Jazos. Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.